everybody, it's back time again for Man, another program podcast. I uh, don't know what the hell just happened there, but uh, Dave Dillon. <laughs> Let's take that from the top. Nah, nah. Dave Dillon commissioned us to do this Magnum P.I. podcast. It's oh, also God. we're doing Magnum P.I., the 1980s crime, thriller, comedy. Uh, action yeah. series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. He's a he's a private investigator. Uh, I'll let Dave take it away. It says I was a huge fan of Magnum PI growing up. Reruns are just now an encore classic, and I've caught myself up watching them again. I'd like your opinion on it to see if you guys think it still holds up after almost forty years later. Could you please review episodes one and two? Please don't eat the snow in Hawaii. Uh, Which, to be clear, is the name of the two-parter episode. Yeah, he goes, I just really want your guys' thoughts on whether it holds up today or whether it was just a product of the 80s, would a reboot work, etc. What is your history with Magnum P.I.? I remember that the theme song was rockin'. Like, okay. my dad is a huge Magnum P.I. fan, and I spent, I've spent a lot of time with my dad in this last week, and I actually talked about it. Um and he, you know, he was talking about his favorite episodes and his favorite Higgins moments and so on and so forth. Um, but that's about it. Because when I was a kid, like, that was something my dad, like, I, I liked the theme song. Um, but it was either on too late for me to consistently watch or it just, you know, it's too adult. Uh-huh. Um, because I was, like, when it first came out in the 80s, I was, 1980, I'd have been Four going on five and then by the time it was off in 88 i guess i'd have been kind of but you know by that time it's it's the you know probably on its downward side i don't know um, yeah i was definitely too young to yeah i was gonna say what's your i mean i i feel like my uh magnum pi experience is my tom Selleck experience because i know that he was always like this thing for that um he was always kind of like this star because of that i know him more from his later uh, some of his made-for-TV westerns and whatnot. Oh, okay. I know him huh. from his appearance on Friends. I know him from right. Archer. Oh, was he on Archer? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he I was Ar- about Isn't that. he Archer's dad? Or, or one a fake? Of, one of them? Yeah, one of the many. Yeah, possible potential dads he's got. Uh-huh. Uh, and I thought he is a cool dude, and I guess I see... I don't understand... After seeing these first two episodes of Magnum P.I., I guess I don't understand why he was a bigger star. And if you want to play like what if games, one of the classics is Tom Selleck versus Harrison Ford for Indiana Jones. Ooh, was that a thing? Oh, you say ooh? I say yeah. huh. I say ugh. Like, I mean, it's hard to imagine someone doing a better job, but I'm like, right. how would Indiana Jones look differently with Tom Selleck? Because in the face of it, Tom Selleck and Harrison Ford have very similar physiques. That kind of in the same wheelhouse of masculine charisma. Tom Selleck is, I suppose. is they're both fairly you know, like Tom's like a six foot four. That's the thing. Like I kept yeah. on looking at him like, God, this guy looks like he's a monster. And I looked it up and yeah, he's like six foot four and he's got the body of Mark Spitz in this these episodes. I don't know who that is, but okay. uh, Olympic swimmer. Anyway. Oh, sure. Yeah. He looks like he's an athlete. He's got the think... body of Harrison Ford. <laughs> um I th- yeah I I don't um I do know that like I feel like that that's he did play football or no he's had a basketball scholarship he played for the Tro- Trojans men's basketball team so yeah he's a, he's a legit athlete he was a soldier uh in an inf- infantryman in the huh. uh, Army National Guard um, they like to show him with his his shirt off and in skimpy shorts in this sure. premiere 
Sure. Uh, how old do you think he was when this was filmed? I don't without know. Looking it up. Se- I don't I've looked know. it he's up. Sev- I know. He's 71 now, so I bet he was 30. Hmm. 30, huh? At 80? Wait, no. That he would be... I, I fucked up. Um, I, I, <laughs> you, I, took Dave, I took Dave's 40 years ago. Based on his face. Based on him as a human being. Yeah, I'd say he's appearance. 30. I'd say he's 30. He's 35. And this, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I would have guessed a little bit older, actually. Oh, just right. just given his his face, like all the things happening with his body, <laughs> I don't know. He's in he's in good shape, no doubt. Uh-huh. But like, I thirty five was surprised me a bit that he was that young. Yeah, huh? Because yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess people smoked, and he was out in the sun in Hawaii all the time. And right. He just that's that's that shit adds yeah, up. Also, his demeanor felt a little older. I I don't know. Okay, uh, but that's the thing, like. Keep talking shit about Tom Selleck. See where it gets you. <laughs> Not, probably nowhere good. I want to see you run around in tight shorts. Oh, in a Ferrari no, you don't. When you're 40, when no. you're 35 years old. That's the last thing you want to see. He's like, my God, what is this guy, 60? <laughs> It'll be a train How old do you think he is, 63? Uh, so that's the thing. He He's asking, like, do we think it holds up? And, like, how does it compare to, like, other 80s action stuff? Um I think All that it, kind of stuff. It's interesting going back and watching this, having seen stuff like MacGyver, having seen the A-Team, uh, because all of that stuff feels completely interchangeable. Like, this this formula is all over that era of television. However, I feel like that this is an innovator because the A-Team... It was before that, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, it came, came well before it, and same thing with MacGyver. So I, right. that's what I... You mentioned that on the early going when he's infiltrating Higgins, you know, Island Fortress, and he's trying to test the security. He's like, "Oh, this is yeah. like fucking MacGyver," and I'm like, "Yeah, but, but it was before MacGyver." Like right. I, to me, I see this thing's fingerprints on a lot of '80s television. Oh, it's all over '80s television. It's got the I cool mean, like Knight Rider. Uh, I, I yeah. essentially want Magnum PI in that car, but I want the car to be super intelligent and be bulletproof. Right. And MacGyver, it's like I want this guy's military background and kind of wry, humorous observations, mm-hmm. but I want him to be like some techno nerd. And it, it, it and the A team is essentially a team full of Magnum PIs um, with a lot less cooler of a vehicle. Yeah, um, and also like the theme songs are sure hundred percent interchangeable. I mean. If you, I, I actually watched a video of someone who has swapped MacGyver's theme mm-hmm. with Magnum PI's theme, mm-hmm. and all of the notes hit at exactly the same moment. Like the yeah. title screen comes up at exactly the same time. Sure, yeah, uh, it's amazing how similar they actually are. It feels like the Magnum PI, and I'm sure that it stood on the shoulders of other giants, maybe like the Dirty Dozen, or I, I'm not sure right. what all came before yeah. it, but it does feel like that it. But that formula kind of set the mold. It had the blueprint for if you want an '80s action film TV show, this is what. Now, even down I, to the narration, like Tom Selleck narrating. Yeah, I've heard MacGyver narrate his stuff a yep. hundred times. I want to get right to Dave's point because I feel like at this point in his podcast, he's still bracing for the gut punch. I think it held up like a champ. I thought like, it was good. Yeah, I was expecting this to be super cheesy and us to be laugh. And to be fair, we did laugh and yuck our way up through a lot of this right. stuff because it's but it's definitely of a time. The war scenes mm-hmm. were really impressive. Like I think even saying yeah. for its day, kind of is bullshit mm-hmm. because it had some really really good like you know Vietnam era war scenes. It was confusing to me because I didn't. I'm not sure what kind of military man he's supposed to be because he's a naval officer, right? 
but he looks like it's some kind of green beret outfit. I I don't know if this was like I don't know when Navy SEALs came out from mystery. Like they they are officially like mm-hmm. yeah, this is a team kind of like you know Delta Force. Like for the longest time, people they they deny. I don't even know if Delta Force that they actually do still avow their existence, but. <laughs> Um, you know, it's like Navy SEALs for the longest time were just like no one would comment on, and and you weren't allowed to say that you were. And I was like, so I huh. guess yeah. my head canon is that Tom, or that that the, yeah, Thomas Magnum yeah. was a Navy SEAL, but he's a, clearly okay. some kind of special forces because, you know, the Navy doesn't have a regular troop forces of like ground force. That's what they have the Marines for, right? Uh, they already have a whole department full of ass kickers. They 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 don't really need more. So the Navy SEALs are kind of like their special forces division. Um, so I, I I don't know if that's right or wrong because they never talked about his unit. but it does seem sure. like they were kind of elite forces and they're operating in Vietnam. Right, and maybe it gets more into it later in the show. Sure. I don't know, but you know we watched the first two parter episode, so that's what that's entirely my history with Magnum PI. Um, so, so now that you can relax, that so we liked it, and we're not going to shit all over your favorite show. Let's I shit wanna, on it. I want to. There's do, some things to. Shit I do want to take a big shit on, and this <laughs> is something I assume they fixed because the Magnum PI theme song is like well, in the top ten, top twenty for sure, like theme songs. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, it's nowhere to be found in these first two episodes. No, and the score of this the first two episodes is terrible yeah it actively detracts in almost every instance yeah there's one other thing i can think of that we've watched that had a score this bad the color uh, purple the the color purple like it almost completely took me out of that movie for the first half there's a couple points where they it does kind of get to like a sweeping score that gives you some but a lot of times yep. it's just like what the fuck the the tonal conflict between what right. i'm seeing um, but this is just, I, I don't know what they were thinking because it would have been much better just without any music at all. And it's not just the score. It's that theme song. Like the theme, sure. the whole intro sequence is different, right? Oh like, yeah. From the imagery they got the to cross the car- Coronado kind of framing right. everything, which is, you know, that's their unit signet ring. So whatever, that's fine. But yeah, the score was a lot more like Knott's Landing or Falcon Crest. Than it, yeah, was. it was dun 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 dun. You know that's that's cool. That's what you want. That's that's ripping down. Yeah, you know that's the a highway in a Ferrari. In a, in a Ferrari. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's this whipping thing. Yui's on the freeway. That's sliding in with your forty-five. That's yeah. Going to the snow palace and talking to a seventeen-year-old <laughs> teenager that's running the drug empire. It's, that's, <laughs> right. that's what you want. I, I do want. like the introduction of this episode, not the actual like theme song intro thing, uh-huh. but like him trying to do this this penetration test on this estate. Sure, uh, I thought it was pretty effective to introduce the character and kind of, I, I guess you know his interactions with the ladies at the estate, and you can see what kind of guy he is. So Magnum Pi is really economic. He's a pervert. He, That's yeah. part of his character. It is, and for as much as you can love an 80s pervert, I mean, Cause, Magnum cause remember, P.I. is one. Remember when, um, I, I mean, I have complicated feelings about it, because the women invited him to go skinny dipping, and they're right. French stewardesses, so that's implied that they have European standards of modesty. So he's not only a pervert, he's a dumb pervert, because he could have been in the water with these women. But he's having his phone call, and there's this quintessential 80s thing where he's got a phone, like the classic Ma Bell brick. 
that's uh-huh. got a 30 feet of twisty cord or whatever you call that, coiled cord. And he's like complicated. He's lowering it up and down the staircases. Uh-huh. And we're like, what the fuck is he doing? He's searching through. And like, was he trying to find case files? No, he's getting a pair of binoculars. Yep. So he, while he's talking on the phone, he can perv on these women who are taking their tops off and, and going topless in his lagoon. Right. Um, Mind-blowing. And he drinks a lot of beer. That's his thing. He comes he comes back from a big case and he relaxes with a couple of cold ones. Magnum PI is a man's man. He really is. I've never been the kind of guy who would spy on a woman getting undressed, but I've never really identified with anything about the Magnum (laughs) PI persona. Uh Um but I see I see why it would appeal to the masses, right? It's kinda like it's a very cool like he doesn't get flustered. He's he's always kind of out to solve the case and do the right thing, you know, unless he's pervin. He's pervin. And again, like, I don't know if the ladies would find out he's pervin. They'd be all that upset. I don't. Kind of they invited it. him. Right. Right. He's Tom Selleck. I mean, Tom Selleck is a handsome man. Like, sure. Very few people can pull off that fucking mustache. Yeah. Um, and those Hawaiian shirts. I mean. And his, his, and the thing is, the thing about his mustache is it's not just a hair. Like, he's got this slab of an upper lip. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like his upper lip is twice as thick as mine. Not, not that his upper <laughs> lip is the. What do you call the the area between your nose and your lip? Like it's uh, I don't remember. It's like the cliffs of Dover that he's just hung this magnificent pelt off of. Yeah. No, it's it's a good mustache. And that's the thing as a 71-year-old man, he still looks like a badass because number 1, he uses just just bathes in Grecian formula every day. So he's got jet right. black hair and and he's well, got that fucking mustache still. I'm sure the jet black is not natural. That's what I'm anymore. saying, Grecian formula. Is that a coloring yeah, agent? Yeah. I thought that was like a, a Rogaine sort of oh, like no, hair no. growing. I'm pretty sure it's it's like a, something you use to dye your hair. And Okay. Anyway. Uh, he probably also bathes in Rogaine because he has a lot of hair. Well, maybe, hair he just, uh, maybe, maybe he just, is, it's natural. Like, I believe that he's got full head of hair still. <laughs> sure. Some guys yeah. get the genetic uh, lottery and some guys fucking crap out. And <laughs> <laughs> one of those guys is talking on the microphone uh, right now. You know who else is who else is crapping out? Who? The fucking the if if you're gonna introduce a character uh-huh. who is wearing a Hitler youth outfit, <laughs> don't make him actually look like Hitler. <laughs> right? You talking about Higgins? Higgins, yeah, looks like Hitler in a Hitler youth uniform. Yeah, he's got like the Oshkosh Bagosh version of the Hitler youth, right? Like the jun- like not even junior, like the Cub Scouts version of the Hitler youth. Uh, like he's he's getting ready for a Halloween party. And and okay, why do you wear the so- the shorts in just above your kneecap, and then you wear the socks that come up just below? Yeah. Like, hmm. what is it about the one inch strip of skin that you're showing there? Why not just wear slacks, man? Yeah, I don't I don't know. It's clearly a style. Mm-hmm. It's clearly a style that he's going for. It's just not working. Uh huh. Well, I don't know. It might work for that character because I think you're supposed to think this character is a little weird. You are, but I don't think you're supposed to be thinking Nazi. He's like um, uh, an older version of of Magnum because he's kind of like a British expedition. I can't remember what unit he mentions, but he's you know apparently a badass in his own right. But he's just got this. Yeah, but in this episode, we also find out that he's kind of not very good at what he does. Why do you say that? Right, because like Magnum PI was able to penetrate the defenses and and pretty handily, and his whole job was to keep this estate secure. Yeah. While the owner, I guess, is 
you know, vacationing in his summer home, or maybe this is his summer home, whatever. Well, and I will say that, like, bad job on you, Higgins, for choosing the last four digits of your the house's phone number as the pin number for the Ferrari's alarm right. code. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't wonder, because that's the thing, like, I'm very interested to see, like, when they introduce this Rick character, and he's essentially just, everything about Rick is a Casablanca joke. Uh, who is Rick? Rick is the guy who owns like Rick's Cafe Americano, which is the name of the bar in Casablanca. Oh, right, his his war buddy. Yeah, he's got you know Sam who's playing a, some kind of get you know some kind of uh, piano just like in Casablanca. Right, it's like, and, it's, and it's, it's like just, a disco club, I guess. Yeah, and he's wearing the the white tux like Humphrey Bogart. Like it's us all extended and Casablanca he is joke. A drug dealer, yeah? No, 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 no. He's one of I think Magnum PI's old war buddies who's going under an assumed name he because is. he's wanted for some reason. Because it's implied that if anyone ever found out his real name, it would be trouble for him. I thought it was because he was a drug dealer, and I feel like that that's essentially introducing the character of Quark. Like in you know, in like in the first episode of Deep Space Nine, they they have to introduce this fascinating character Quark, but they can't give you eight seasons worth of Quark. They have to like distill him down into his essential Ferenginess, right? Right. And I feel like that's like we want this guy to be kind of running a Casablanca type place in Hawaii. Let's just lean into that, and then we'll fill out his mysterious background later. Sure. But yeah. you don't get all that. All you get is, like, this is a one-note Casablanca joke. Right, right. This guy has lived his life a little too much by the that formula. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he was he was kind of another ridiculous character. You know who I really like? Yeah. Uh, the helicopter pilot. TC, TC was, yes. it was the best thing in Magnum <laughs> P.I., because he was the one guy who was calling, besides yep. Magnum P.I. himself, who was calling Magnum on his bullshit. Yeah. Like, Magnum P.I. is kind of doing the Han Solo, like, get closer to this boat, but don't make it, you know, like, fly casual. And he's like, you just got to sneak around. <laughs> oh, oh, we sneaking now? Okay. Here we go. We're sneaking. <laughs> we're sneaking. Oh, well, we officially sneaking. In a fucking helicopter. So, so funny. Like, I think. Yeah, it's great. I want to see much more at TC. I actually looked up on the Wikipedia to see if he was a recurring character. He and is. Yes, he is. Yeah. Seems so, like all those guys are. And I guess um, that the Rick guy ends up being kind of like the co-star. So he must be really involved oh, wow. in, in, in future episodes. Okay. Uh, uh, the other kind of running gag here, aside from TC calling bullshit, is how everybody's kind of calling bullshit on Magnum. Uh, basically having any personal assets whatsoever. Yeah. Like, no one believes he drives this Ferrari, and he doesn't. It's not his Ferrari. He's just borrowing it. No one believes he can, like, afford to pay his bar bills or whatever. Or have a nice camera. <laughs> like, fuck you, man. I can just... afford a Nikon. And it's, and it's something about his physical appearance, because it's not just and he people he knows. It's perfect strangers. He doesn't look like a bum. No, he doesn't. He looks like a reasonably good-looking athletic guy who's wearing Hawaiian shirts because he's in fucking Hawaii. Right. It's a pretty amazing hook. I assume everyone, if I met a guy looking like Magnum P.I. in Hawaii, I would assume he was a well-heeled guy. Like, I don't know what his situation is, but I would assume he I has money. I assume he's a dude. And and he pulls up in a Ferrari, right. and I'm, you're, I'm the fucking um, uh, valet. I would uh-huh. not be like... This can't be your Ferrari. Get out of here. Right. Get you and your mustache and get the fuck out of here. It's pretty amazing. I love that running joke. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if it runs through the whole series, but I kind of hope it right. does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, 
do we want to talk about the plot of these, these particular episodes? Because I have some stuff, some questions. Okay, let's talk about the plot. And then I got it. some other particular things I want to talk about. Uh, so I do think that the plot really does does a good job in setting up all these characters and mm-hmm. how they know each other and how they're so tightly bonded, right? Right. And why Magnum would be so gung ho about taking this case. Yeah. Um, because they were all they've all been through war together, mm-hmm. uh, and a pretty hellacious experience too. Sure, from what they show us. It's like, uh, I mean, it's like a, there's a scene that's like almost right out of Platoon. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the one where they're trying to get on the helicopter. Yeah. I've seen that in other movies. Sure. Uh, but the the idea here, I guess, is that one of his friends caught wind of something and went to investigate it in Japan. Uh, one of his old war buddies caught wind of... I, I forget exactly what it is that he's investigating. It's gold. Like a fighter pilot gold, went down right. with yes. gold... And his unit command, like, so that's the thing. Like, the big twist is that his captain uh-huh. that they'd left for dead in Vietnam survived and then used his knowledge of. I mean, that's the thing where, you know, I always saw this one, this the thing once, but my, my impression is he used his naval connections and his kind of knowledge of the inside knowledge of stuff. Um, and maybe there was even that the hint that this other captain that was like Magnum PI, the guy who's like the officer of the base in yeah. Honolulu, uh, that that he was in on it Cooley? because yeah, was it Cooley? I think it's Cooley. Yeah, uh, not his best friend, but the guy who's the commandant now that he was helping out and he got he got killed to to cover it up. Yeah, but the the big reveal is that his captain's still alive and he's right and he's running a drug ring and killed his best friend when he got to, uh, got too close. Yeah. Uh, killed him by stuffing <laughs> by, his guts stuffing with cocaine with, with ounces packets. of cocaine and then punching his belly until they exploded. <laughs> Which is the most ridiculous way to kill someone. It really is. Is it a good cover? It seems like a bad cover because it led him directly back to the Snow Palace. Like, if he had just put a bullet in his head. But that's only because the Magnum P.I. wouldn't believe the... Because uh, I think most people would see, oh, this guy's coming back from Japan... He's smuggling yeah. drugs. He's trying to make a little bit of extra money and bursting that. I mean, that's something to have. I feel like that was a plot on almost every 80s show that I was aware of seeing. Like, I know all the time, like, that was a thing they did in, like, Miami Vice. They got a drug mule and they won their condoms bust open and now they're having a drug overdose. Right, but they're... to actually murder someone by stuffing drugs into their guts and work? then punching them? How do you stuff that much drugs down someone's gullet within, without them being willing? I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I really either. don't know. And then to just to punch them to death. It uh, seems like uh, you could just shoot them full of coke, like give them a hot shot of cocaine and have them OD. I mean, the other thing that that doesn't lead you super, back like, to I drug believe- dealers is yeah. just put a bullet in their head. Be done with it. That doesn't leave any kind of no, trail. No, that definitely. Anytime you got that's foul play, dude. What are you talking about? Like if okay, okay, but it doesn't lead directly back to Robert Loja, right? It's okay. it's not like. <laughs> I love that you know that guy's name, Robert well, Loja. I mean, he's a pretty famous actor. Yeah, yeah, he's in Scarface. Scarface yeah, he can't, he he can't say no to roles involving cocaine. He can't. He can't. Because <laughs> they provide him with all the free cocaine right. he can sniff. Right. Robert Loja only works for coke. He's actually got jet black hair. It's just so... <laughs> he's constantly in his trailer, dusted. just handfuls of cocaine, and yeah. <laughs> he really gets into his characters. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like they're if you are a drug dealer... You don't want to be killing people with drugs mm-hmm. if you don't want a trail coming back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple. So 
do we, have we just essentially revealed the plot? Because eventually Magnum PI confronts yeah. him at the airport when he's trying to flee and get away, and they have they both a, get shot. F- a fight in the bathroom, the airport bathroom, where. Uh, that's the other thing about the 80s. You could just totally bring guns into an airport and no one would ever know because right. there weren't metal detectors and there weren't security. It's just... Apparently no security because guns go off in that Dude, bathroom and be- nobody comes before running. P- before hostage crisis and bomb crisis, I don't think there was security. Period? Nobody? No. No. Why would there be? I, there's, I don't know. Maybe I'm just living in an era where there's security everywhere. Sure. That seems sure. crazy to me, but maybe that's a bad thing. I mean, Maybe the idea that I'm just used to that, yeah, is a I little think, ridiculous. I think to, you could make an argument for that. Sure. Um, so that's the plot. It's Magnum right. PI investigating, and there's involved. You know, there's some cool scenes of him breaking into a naval complex and yep. pretending to be you know, getting his old uniform out and like completely, um, you know, hornswoggling this poor sailor on duty who is actually a famous character actor in his own right. I believe he was yeah. in the, uh, Beverly Hills Cops and whatnot. Right. That's one of the pleasures of going back and see these old television shows to see, like, oh, this guy got super famous or uh-huh. relatively famous. Like, he was starring with Eddie Murphy on Beverly Hills Cop and yeah. um, whatnot. Uh, and this, you know, Robert Loja, I don't, I think Scarface was after this, right? Hmm. When was Scarface? It was sometime in the mid '80s or or early to mid '80s. Yeah, I want to say like '85. Yeah, uh, so 83. I mean, so yeah, he, okay, so he wasn't even after. a big like silver screen yeah actor yet. Uh-huh. Or wait, silver screen is movies, movies right? right? Okay, I don't know. Like, is it? I mean, I assume that because back in the day, it used to be that you it was kind of a one way street. Like you, right. if you were really good at television, you might get your shot at. But you were a star really down on your luck if you, you know, degraded yourself to appear on television shows. Whereas nowadays, right. it seems like the television is the prestige project. It can be. Or it can yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, seen There like... isn't the same stigma anymore, for sure. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know when Robert Loja, I guess, made the jump to movies or if he was just kind of slumming it in Magnum P.I., but uh, yeah, it was. And I wonder also, like, because this, pi- this this two episodes was essentially one long pilot. Yeah, and I wonder if there was a little bit more prestige in like you know being the beachhead of because uh, these. I, I also wouldn't surprise me. Um, like I w- I'd be very surprised if there's this many war scenes that are this well done because mm-hmm. that shit's expensive, yo. Um, and I because that was the thing I remember when I would watch pilots of things. It was always like you get this really awesome thing, and then the rest of the series would not be nearly as cool because they blow so much of their money on the pilot. Huh. Like even Star Trek The Next Generation, those first two encounter at Farpoint, they had industrial lights and magic models and like all this other stuff. And when they got to the series proper, they had a completely different model for the Enterprise. Like everything was cheaper and less expensive. Right. So. Yeah, when I think of pilots, I think of just not being the same, like actually being kind of shittier in a lot of ways because they don't have the regular actors. They don't have like, I, I think of Seinfeld, the Seinfeld pilot is a piece of garbage. Oh, some, so usually it was the opposite. Like the pilot was the best thing you were ever going to see. And that, and that works That's for weird. procedurals because they could like craft... wise, but, but never like character wise. Well, but how could it be? I mean, sure. You yeah. Know. 
It's um, the, the first in in the character building. And that that was the downfall exercise. of the procedural. Like its greatest strength is you didn't have to see every Magnum PI to understand what Magnum PI is all about and to sit down like, oh I missed the last three. But right. who gives a shit? It's not like Magnum PI is going to be a different person than he was because of the things that happened to him. Right. Um but its greatest weakness is character development was slow coming. And yeah. they they really did they really relied on like these archetype characters um, and everything needed to be contained to an hour of television. You couldn't yes. have long running plots that, you know, really, really develop those characters and also kind of got you invested in a different kind of way. So the other thing I want to talk about stylistically, there's a bunch of things, but um, this, the narration of Magnum PI, which I enjoyed, I thought it was interesting, but I did not like the echo flange effect they put on it. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, you know, is he talking? Is he, is he narrating this from the fucking future? Like, why add that echo? Like, just have I a think voiceover. He was. I think he was actually narrating from the future. I think he was using past tense. Like, he's this I is Magnum PI, in, like writing his memoirs. Kinda, yeah. I don't. I still don't think I need the flange effect for that. Right. Like it was distracting. Yeah, the, the voiceover. The, the, all the sound engineering in this episode need. need to calm the fuck down. Right. Yeah, it, it was bad, um, and I'm glad it changed over the course of the show. The other thing I enjoyed is like when the goons were following him in the old and the muscle car. I'm like, this is a junk muscle car. They're probably going to roll this over and explode it, right? You know, and and sure enough, that's what happened. And that's the Drove thing. Like right same thing with Airwolf. Like, you know, Airwolf was which was itself was just a civilian helicopter that they glued a bunch of machine guns and grenade launchers to. Um, but it had yeah. a cool slick black, uh, you know, and it kind of looked like it could be fast and uh, special. But Airwolf's competition were <laughs> shitty, shitty. World War com- II era. Com- no, no, commercial. Just like like what, what TC was driving around with, like, some PVC pipe glued to their landing skids to look like rocket pods. <laughs> and every single episode... Fucking Airwolf would shoot it down, and it would be generating smoke and spiraling behind the mountain. Yeah. And then you'd see the camera switch, and then a plume of fire would come out. Because you so can't, they could reuse it the next episode. Yeah, you can't yeah. fucking wreck a helicopter on an 80s show budget. No. And here it's like, get the nicest car you can buy for a thousand bucks. Yeah. And we'll This shoot is like it. Mythbusters cars. <laughs> and I loved it. Like, for some reason... When they're go- taking the corners real fast, gas was sloshing out of its tank. Well, I think that was meant to like indicate that this thing could explode, like but it could why? ignite. Because most of the time, when cars crash, they don't instantly ignite. I understand like that. that, but why are they running around without the gas cap on? I don't know. And the idea that it could keep up with a Ferrari on oh, these windy yeah. roads, like I almost get the impression that Magnum the is toying se- the sh- with them. The shitty seventies muscle car, which right. on its best day could not hang with this Ferrari. Maybe even in a straight line. No. Like I don't think no could hang with a Ferrari. No. So like you put it on some corners, and that Ferrari is going to dust it. But like right. I, do you get the impression? Were we supposed to get the impression that Magnum was toying with them no. while they're shooting at him? I just think this is like air where you just have to kind of suspend disbelief and think the shitty Bell helicopter is going to okay. is is a super helicopter, and these other shitty Bell helicopters are going to be a rival for its. I I thought that was like a character trait, like he just you know was pretty nonchalant about getting shot at and just like. 
Well, the only thing, the other thing is he made several statements about this isn't his car and he doesn't want to fuck it up. Oh, right. And he's yeah. kind of like, so I, at first not? I think he wasn't playing. He's just like, man, I don't really want to push this car to the limits. And then they started shooting at him. He's like, well, fuck this. Yeah. Um, what's what's worse? Uh, right. A blown head gasket or bullet holes tearing through yeah. the fucking thing. Yeah, but like everything, every time you see a, like a shit muscle car, I'm thinking that's going to go <laughs> flying off a cliff. Yeah. Especially when it's filmed in Hawaii. And it did. Uh, <laughs> one dude rolled out of it though. The fucking, yeah, I don't know what this guy, what this look was on this dude, but well, on this holy guy, shit, it's Hawaiian se- Hawaiian eighties. This guy looks like 70s. a roast beef sandwich. Yeah, like I don't feel, you know, Magnum PI is a Navy SEAL. Uh-huh. This guy with the bad perm and the bad suit, and again, best days looking like a roast beef sandwich with Arby sauce <laughs> is going to. Do anything to Magnum PI? Get the fuck out yeah. of here! He might have, he might as well have tattooed goon on his forehead because that's what he was. But that's the other thing. Like that's the thing that kind of ruins Commando for me, except for an unintentional right. comedy. Is the guy they pit against Arnold Schwarzenegger is a fucking tubby piece of shit. He's the thousand dollar seventies muscle car, and Arnold <laughs> is the Ferrari, and, and he's sloshing gas <laughs> right. from every single time he goes from scene to scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, still, I like that's, we're. Because what it is is these guys are just a bunch of stuntmen. Yeah, they don't know how to act. They they don't yeah. particularly look dashing. They they look like they've been taking a couple punches to the face that are real, oh. and that's who your muscle is. You don't, you know, like we're spoiled because we have like a list celebrities that are playing bad guys now, right? And they have like trainers and you know wire food, but and they're sweating the details. Sure, they're, they're not going to put a thousand dollar clunker on the screen against a Ferrari. And that's the other thing. Like when I went to visit my dad, I watched. Um, he watches a lot of his classic television mm-hmm. from his childhood. Uh, but he was watching Roy Rogers and like the fight scenes and those old black and white comedy it, 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 or the cowboy shit. It's like literally two or three stage haymakers. Yeah. And someone would fly through like swinging. I mean, we just saw that in Liberty Valens, right? Like, yeah. The, Jimmy Stewart punching out John Wayne to the ground. Well, that, that was actually way better ass than anything I ever saw in the couple of Roy Rogers. Oh, I saw. was it? Or, or. Um, the other thing is, uh, well, I watched a lot of Lone Rangers with him, but like you can see the evolution. Like Magnum PI's fist fights and gunfights were so much or- level, orders of magnitude more badass than that, right? And then you compare that to like Banshee, oh, or yeah. any, you know, True Detective or anything. It's just like get the uh-huh. fuck out of here. Uh, yeah, and I think that's why like there's such a cult of personality around these shows. Like, yeah, you know, Magnum PI and MacGyver and Knight Rider. I yeah. mean. It's why those guys became celebrities, because they had to be super charismatic to carry that show. Sure. Because the show itself is kind of ridiculous, Uh, at least, like, the production angle stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the plots were pretty good. I I didn't have a problem at all with the plot of this show. I thought it was decent for for an 80s action thing. Yeah. Uh, But those guys have to be super charismatic to carry off something as kind of inherently silly as the production of this show is. Yeah, and... (laughs) The other thing is about these 80s shows um, is that once you get past the, like, main people, actors, the yeah. quality fell off. Because I thought the person who played Magnum P.I.'s love interest, who was, I guess, the sister of his best friend, which confused the shit out of you. Yeah. Because I, I don't think you got... I thought got, it was his sister at one point. I don't think you got that that was a joke that they were playing on Higgins. No, I and didn't. And he's like, how many people is she fucking related to at one point? I'm like, no, yeah. dude. Um, she was terrible. Yeah, she's not great. She's not just great. playing this like 
person that should be on some kind of medication, and she's got the crazy eyes going. And I mean, I, the the thing she had going for her is she was attractive. Sure, but in, she was in playing, that '80s way, though. Still, yeah, she was playing a terrible character and doing a terrible job of that. Right, and there's still just enough '70s in this show mm-hmm. to really make it feel not quite '80s to me. Right. Um, well, you because know, it's it is made 1980. in 1980. Yeah, there was still a lot of you know. So like all the clothes, the hair, shit. like this, yep. the, the roast beef sandwich guy was wearing, <laughs> right? Straight out of 70s disco. Yeah, practically bell bottoms and shiny, shiny shoes. Uh, yep. But yeah, I, I still like, I enjoy it. it. But I do enjoy it, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek. It's not like I genuinely thought this was amazing or anything, mm-hmm. because it's fucking 35 36 years old now so yeah of course times have changed and i never saw it when i was young so i don't have any kind of nostalgia for it like i do with macgyver or knight rider uh but i i do think it holds up fairly well for being as old as it is i was looking through her uh, alice i think her name's known alice cook was their character pamela susan shoop okay and i'm looking at her like she went through a tour of the 80s stuff. She was in... TLC. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be Salt and Pepper with the shoot. Was it Salt and Pepper? Oh, yeah, come shit. on now. Shit. Uh, she was in Simon and Simon, uh, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, Knight Rider. Um, yeah, yeah, she did the tour. TJ Hooker. Holy shit. The Fall Guy. Holy shoot. Chips, <laughs> Fantasy Island. Uh, she, yeah, she, she was in the original, um, Battlestar Galactica, I guess. Wow. Okay. Hawaii Five-0, Buck Rogers in the 25th century. What was this woman, the incredible fucking Hulk? Wow. What was she not in? Wonder Woman? Okay. So it wasn't huh. for lack of trying that she, you know, I just think for sh- sheer repetition, she would learn how to act, but maybe as the director. Well, maybe she's it sounds like she a, was one of those ter- TV actors. Terrible. Ke- yeah. True. Like, like, she made the rounds on the kind of mediocre yeah. TV shows of the 80s, and yeah. that was that. That was her career. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. A veteran character actress with a prolific career is how they describe her on IMDb. But yeah, that, she was definitely... I'm, I'm just thinking, thinking, like, if you'd put anyone that, you know, like uh, like like a Marion Ravenwood type... With Magnum P.I., you'd have something. Who, who's that? You know, from uh, Indiana Jones, the first one. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Someone with a little spunk to her, because this person... Yeah. I, you know, I, I guess it was... She did... The one part where I was impressed with her is when she kind of held her in on the infiltration in the naval base. Yeah. Like, she played the sister. Even when it was and, clear it was not working out, because that ensign showed up. But she, <laughs> but she crushed it, you know? Yeah. So I guess that was pretty impressive. But mostly she was just, oh my god, how could this possibly be happening? And crazy eyes and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess this Higgins with the dogs was a recurring joke. Oh, it, with, it was recurring within these episodes. Yeah, but it, like the, the whole, the whole, the series. My dad told okay. me a lot of uh, Higgins dog jokes. And I All guess right. there's another one where Higgins had a remote control airplane he was flying around, and Magnum PI shot it with a shotgun. I mean, Higgins because it was annoying him. <laughs> like they just like piss, like God. they 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 take turns pissing each other off and being in each other's debts, and yeah, and helping each other out. Yeah. and like I wonder if there's any scene. Like I kind of, I'm busy enough that I can't see me just casually watching the series or just marathoning it. But I am kind of interested to see like. Mm-hmm. 
where's the episode where Higgins gets to be a badass? Because they established that he has the potential. Yeah. Um, and his, like, you know, sadly, his neck chop was largely ineffectual. <laughs> oh, but, God. like, where's the scene where he gets to be kind of his own badass? You neck chop a man with no neck that you get what you pay <laughs> sure. for there. <laughs> yeah, you go go to Arby's, get a roast beef sandwich, <laughs> neck chop it, and see where it gets you. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a slightly lumpier roast beef sandwich. It doesn't hurt it. <laughs> no. You can neck chop it all day. Uh, that's that's a good question. I don't know much about Higgins, although I've seen pictures of him in a lot of crazy outfits. He strikes me as almost like a Clouseau type of character. Interesting. With his disguises, like he has yeah. these geese. But I don't get that they're like... My impression is not that they're disguises to infiltrate something or to do something badass. It's just kind of a thing he does, wear weird costumes from time mm-hmm. to time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this week I've taken up karate. Mm-hmm. And now I'm wearing my gi. Uh, this week I've gone on safari. Or maybe that I think that he's like that's supposed to imply that he's this Renaissance man that he's got like all these so. expertises. But he very much feels like a guy who wants to be a Renaissance man to me. Uh, I didn't get the impression that he was actually a Renaissance man. Huh. I got the impression that maybe you know he'd seen some shit in war, but these other things were like passing hobbies that that he was not actually good at. Okay. But that's just me, um, and I obviously haven't seen the show, so if that's not correct, let me know. But Do you think Magnum P.I., or do you think Tom Selleck, rather, is just genetically blessed with the... You know, because there's like... Um, when If you got a dude that's like totally covered with hair, there's there's like a bell curve, right? Like what women find attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, very few women find like a dude completely covered in hair attractive. Very few women find like a guy who's completely devoid of hair attractive. There's mm-hmm. this middle ground. And I feel like guys like Magnum Pia or sorry, Tom Selleck and um, uh, John Hamm. Like have the genetic lottery of like every part of like every part of the masculine body that's supposed to be covered with hair is is <laughs> covered with hair and not a bit more. Okay, and like this guy's I, got this fine hmm. mat of chest, but it's only on like his pecs and like his his six pack. Nothing on his back, you know. Not but it goes up a little higher than I'm like connecting to the beard. I just that's, feel like so. So I'm like, how much manscaping did he have to go through? Or do you think that's natural? Like he just won mm. the jackpot. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't manscape. I, I just, I was born with this beard and this, this perfect amount of chest hair. I feel like there's probably some manscaping. I mean, certainly he has to do some, he has to be vigilant about his mustache, right? Mm. You don't get that perfectly shaped mustache without. Oh yeah. Keeping on top of it. Sure. So I feel like, you know, when, when all your all your hair is connected, just like head to toe. I wonder what that's like. You you got it. Like once you start grooming the beard, uh-huh. I mean, it's just natural to start grooming the chest. Because sure. it'll look weird if you don't. <laughs> uh, I, that's, that's like, man, that guy, he's running around with, uh, you know, essentially shorts on a lot and no shirt on and he's tanned and I don't know. I feel like I'm revealing a little bit too much about myself. As a 70-year-old man, what do you think he his chest looks like now? Do you think he's still got the jet black hair on the chest or do you think... Oh, no, it's probably gray. It's gray? Unless so he how does that formulas, look? How does I don't, that I don't look know. Work? The other thing is like I feel like the av- over time you progressively get hairier. Yeah, you do. Like you're going to start getting hair out your nose and your ears. Like maybe if he had the genetic lottery in his 30s, that like now he's right. still like it's you know he's got weird hair on his triceps and mm-hmm. you know uh, hanging off his shoulder blades and who knows like hairy ass crack. Who knows what it's what's looking like now? But oh, yeah, yeah. At, at the very least, like I don't think he dies 
dyes his body hair. That would yeah. look weird for a <laughs> seventy-year-old. Plus, like, but it would also look weird who to wants dye to your see hair. Gray roots popping out of popping mm. out of chest hair. Yeah, not a good look. That's that's one of the reasons I don't dye my beard is because like I feel like it, I'd have to do it like every fucking day, or you're gonna have beard root showing. Yeah, I, my philosophy is just don't take off your shirt. Like after forty, I'm I'm going shirted. Hundred yeah, percent of the time. Then, then you get in your sixties, you just don't give a fuck. Oh, that's true. Like, yeah. I'm hot. I'm sweating. I don't give a shit. Guess what, ladies? <laughs> Old man, hairy chest coming out. Right. <laughs> I've I've gotten laid as many times as I'm going to in my life. Right. My dick is broke. It hasn't worked for several <laughs> years. I'm going to be that guy who looks like a beach ball wearing. Uh huh. You know, I'm essentially a peach pit in speedos. <laughs> be Gerard de Perdue. <laughs> That guy's a monster of a human being. Now he's but... he's he's got a bell pepper for a face. Eight. Gerard Depardieu. That guy has a bell pepper everywhere. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know what he's got going on, but it is funny. Uh, are we still talking about Magnum PI? I think so. Yeah. Do we have uh, anything more to say? I don't have a ton more to say. Uh, I did enjoy watching it. Yes, like, it was super fun for a Friday because I think yeah. we saw that on a Friday afternoon. And I think that's the best way to label it: fun. Yeah. You know, I I think it's it's relaxed in a way that I liked. Uh, doesn't take itself all that seriously, right? Except where it needs to with the the neighbor plot. There are plot. some ridiculous parts of the plot, but you don't really care because the whole point is Magnum. It's 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 guy escapism. It's a right. good looking guy with an interesting career and a neat living situation that he's got. This he's he's broke, so you a can com- relate. He's an everyman that's broke, but he's got this palace and he drives yeah. a Ferrari and he's hangs around with beautiful women and he's. He's got all yeah. of his buddies there, and they can have adventures. That's essentially what, like, the fantasy of every, well... The Bachelor fantasy. That, it's, that's, but it's, it's completely it, it, unsustainable. I mean, as soon as Magnum P.I. stops... eight seasons out of it. <laughs> as soon as he stops living in this house and driving this Ferrari, yeah. he's, he's destitute. He's living on the streets. He's got no money. Sure. He's got nowhere to live. He's got nothing to drive. He's got no more women. He's got no more beer. Yeah. It's all just downhill once, tale. once this dream, this fantasy life crumbles. Yep. Do which you, it has to. I wonder if the the author ever comes back and makes it. Like, is he a character that, like, once a season, he's, like, this really funny, flamboyant, crazy guy? The author? Yeah, he's... So the rich guy that owns the house is a famous author they established. Oh, okay. And I'm like... But they never mention him. I'm like, I wonder if he ever shows up and, like, that's, like... Right. You know, it's kind of like when um, the Grand Negus would show up in Deep Space Nine or... Yeah. You know, uh, Troy's mother, Loxana <laughs> right. Troy, would show up. It's like, kind of like one of those things where, like, the fans see that coming in the next episode, like, ooh, boy. Yeah. Because I feel like you gotta meet him. Like, he can't just be, like, the Charlie of Charlie's Angels. He might be. Although that Charlie, you at least hear... This right. guy's just like he's got some. It, it's it's almost like he's just a living conceit. He's the he's the reason that um, Magnum PI and Higgins can r- roughly be on the same moral ground because they're yeah. both essentially m- living off this guy's largesse. Right. So neither one of them have moral superiority over the other, and they can kind of. Whereas if 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 Higgins was the guy who owned the house, like Magnum PI tries to pull too much shit, he'd be like, "Get the fuck out of here!" Right. You know, right. where Higgins can't do that. Nope. That's um, why it's the perfect, like, I don't know. I don't want to call it an antagonistic relationship, although it is at times. It is. But it's also strangely supportive at times. Yeah. It's an it's, 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 it's odd couple. I mean, that's that's what makes this thing work. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, I yeah, I had a great time. I appreciate, I don't know, do you want to say, is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I'm good. 
Uh, Dave Dillon, thank you very much for commissioning this podcast. I was scared. It's like one of those things where it's like I'm always scared. Like, oh, man, I don't want to have to shit on something that somebody loves. And I'm relieved. Uh, no, it, it totally held up, and it's fun. Yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see other people who are maybe a generation older than us, because I imagine this might spark some fond memories and people can talk about stuff in the form. And I, and I would genuinely like to know, like, what, like, the arcs of Higgins were, if the author yeah. friend ever shows up, like... You know, what are some other because um, the other thing I want to do is I know at, uh, Alan Seppenwall and um, Daniel Feinberg and when they used to do the summer kind of lull series, what they would do is they'd go back and review old pilots of things. And I know okay. they did the Magnum P.I. pilot. I kind of want to hear what they had to say. And if anyone has like kind of like the top 10 Magnum P.I. episodes, like the iconic ones, like, you know, if I was talking about Star Wars, Star Trek, it would be, you know, best of both worlds. It would be. Uh, the inmo- oh. inner light, inmost, the, the one where Picard lived a lifetime and learned how to play the flute. Oh, right, yeah. You know, like, I, that, there's, there's a bunch of All them. good things. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of them that I would just rattle off. I wonder what the cannot, because I wouldn't mind maybe seeing the what the consensus top 10 Magnum P.I. episodes, because I bet they're right. pretty good. Uh, uh, well, IMDb has a top-rated episodes section. Ooh. Season 3, episode 1. Season 7, episode 21. So it seems like it's the finales and the premieres are probably where you you pull out all the stops. Yeah, it seems like that's roughly correct. I don't know. Uh, But yeah, you can go on there and maybe check them out. Well, yeah, thanks, Dave, for commissioning this. It was a lot of fun. If you have a podcast that you would like to commission, uh, you can find out how you can do that at our shop at baldmove.com slash shop. Click on the film canister looking real thing, and it tells, shows you all the different options you have and, and, and getting that thing done. And we'll be back with another one pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. Bye-bye.